1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today
0: with Byte. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to Development Hell. Every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Corngut. I am the managing editor of Dread Central. I am also a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Health. Usually we take you on the tour of unmade horror movies trapped in the depths of development hell. But that's not happening today because every once in a while we go in a different direction. Sometimes we talk with the filmmakers behind some of the most interesting upcoming releases. Like we did with William Brent Bell on Orphan First Kill not long ago. And sometimes we do review episodes. And that is what's happening today. So for week two of Sundance we are diving into some of the scariest, weirdest, and most overhyped horror movies at the Sundance Film Festival 2023. So today we are talking about Infinity Pool, a Canadian uh, movie from Brandon Cronenberg, and we're also talking about Australian horror film Talk To Me. We've got a returning guest judge today, Sheree Bohannon. Sheree is the Dread Central news writer, but she's also a lot more than that. Sheree, how's it going?
2: It's going great. I'm excited to talk about these two Australian horror movies. Um, <laughs> us.
1: I think only one is Australian and one is Canadian, but honestly, what's the difference? You tell me. <laughs>
2: Liz, you're right. I... <laughs> I just, I see me a goth, and I see Mr. Skarsgård in a leash, and I just assumed. You know
1: what? <laughs> I, <laughs> actually, I actually really see Canada and Australia as, like, sister countries, just like one's cold and one's hot. Okay, so.
2: But you don't have kangaroos fighting
1: you. No, we don't. And we're not running them over with our cars. Right? Or actually, they should have run them over. We'll talk about that in depth when we get to talk to me. <laughs> Sheree, I gave a little bit of a spiel on who you are, but can you reintroduce yourself to the development hell audience?
2: Yes, um, since the last time they've heard my voice, sorry about that, um, I've picked up another podcast. So I'm now co-hosting four different horror podcasts. Um, well, three and a U podcast, but that's a thriller, let's be mm-hmm. honest. Joe Goldberg is harming the girls, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and it's a bloody good time. Um, you can find me and all my shenanigans at Miss I I do a lot of writing, so I get to bother Josh often. That's a fun time for me anyways. Um, and I'm also, <laughs> I am also a writer outside of articles, but like that's not paying my bills this week. So we're not gonna give that as much time, unless you're hiring.
1: It's all about what can pay the bills right now. Um, because it's cold outside. Sure, <laughs> you've been on this podcast a couple of times to say the least. We've <laughs> had you on chucky in space we've had you on return to silent hill we also had you on an episode that i'm obsessed with about unmade buffy the vampire slayer spinoffs but never mind about all that i'm wondering how did your sundance go
2: my sundance um showed that i have an inner monster i watched 21 feature movies (laughs) um two blocks of shorts and i started the episodic um logan wakes up at night i believe it's called
1: Mm, more canadiana content
2: yeah yeah i should just move up there i think
1: i mean we're waiting and we're cold yeah i watched 11 (laughs) movies and some shorts which i felt was enough so when i hear about people like you that can do over 20 i am shocked and i am i'm impressed actually
2: I just got really excited because I grew up wanting to do like Sundance and never got to. Cause I was a kid and I was poor. I'm um, in mm-hmm. travel. And so like th- one of the things the pandemic did do for people like me is make things virtual. And yeah. I hope they keep that. Cause accessibility is a real thing and so many people get to like benefit from this, but 100%. in 2021, I paid for a day and then bring some movies I missed because I, it, I was new to understanding I could get accreditation for my podcast <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then last year I just missed the deadline because like life happened and life keeps happening and I was not thinking about the deadline because I was sad Um, and then like this year I was like ooh I'm getting this in, I'm getting this in, I'm getting this in Um, and they let me in and I was like oh my god thank you I can't wait to see everything that I can see (laughs) with my own two eyes so yeah Uh,
1: mm -hmm. and speaking of let me in I keep thinking that talk to me is either called let me in, see for me or Lie to Me, these are all the same title, but they're not all the same movie. And if it's okay with you, I was thinking, why don't we start with something positive and talk about a movie we really liked out of Sundance to get us going.
2: Talk to me. Let's go.
1: Talk to me, baby. So Talk to Me is an Australian horror movie from twin brothers and co-creators Danny and Michael Filippo. They come from the world of YouTube. I don't know if you're aware of this yet. And they have millions of subscribers on their channel, Raka Raka. Have you heard about this?
2: I have not, but it explains so much now. And <laughs> I'm gonna go I'm gonna go find that YouTube immediately. Thank you. They're
1: so they're such cuties. They're they seem pretty young. I got to interview them for Dread Central. Mm-hmm. And they really know how to make an effective scary horror movie. And I cannot wait to talk about it in detail. But before we do, Sheree, would you mind if I give the plot according to Sundance?
2: Go for it.
1: Okay, so according to Sundance, Talk to Me is about... Conjuring Spirits has become the latest local party craze. And looking for a distraction on the anniversary of her mother's death, teenage Mia, Sophia Wilde, is determined to get a piece of the otherworldly action... When her group of friends gathers for another unruly seance with the mysterious embalmed hand that promises a direct line to the spirits, they're unprepared for the consequences of bending the rules through prolonged contact. As the boundary between worlds collapses and disturbing supernatural visions increasingly haunt Mia, she rushes to undo the horrific damage before it's irreversible. Shari, would you say that is an accurate description of this spooky movie?
2: I think I think it does a lot of it without giving too much away because again, I this movie was this movie is one of my favorites of the festival, like all genres included. Um, it's so, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm good for that description. Had I read that description, I would have hit play. Um, because I go in knowing nothing as usual. <laughs> um, hey. yeah, I think that it does what it can.
1: Totally agree with that. It's also. It's my favorite horror movie from Sundance of the year. And it might be my favorite movie in total. I just have to like sit with them a little bit longer. It's extraordinarily fun. And something I put in my review on Dread Central is that I really consider this to be low concept. It is simple as hell. Mm -hmm. It is not trying to be what it is not. It is not trying to be elevated prestige, the witch bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's just... I almost want to call it old school supernatural yes. terror. And it's yes. fun. It yeah. felt
2: like a ride in an amusement park. Like we yeah. buckled in and we went on it and we all got off. we like, that was fun. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. And, I, I miss those kind of movies because like was yeah. this like gonna give me nightmares? No. I want the hand as a prop. Um I thought it was fun. <laughs> but like I I had a good time and that's all I want sometimes in a movie, cause especially right now, and I seem we seem to be stuck in this idea that we need trauma at all times and movies have to be heavy. Otherwise, like what's the point? And I'm like the point is we come to film for escapism. And so like if we can have like a little bit of trauma with the mom to get us into this world and then like keep it going and not really like dwell on the and now I'm crying and now I'm sad. Um and now so and so is drowning or we're having the car accident we have to have in every movie. <laughs> like, it just it, Yeah it felt so good.
1: <laughs> I know what you mean, and this movie does go on the mm, the archetypal, the tropey, the kind of cliche route of the main character has just gone through a significant loss. This is something you see in almost all teen horror on some Mm -hmm. level. Like if you think about any teen TV or teen movies from Twilight to the Vampire Diaries, like this is about characters that have lost a parent or gone through something significant and are now sort of coming to grips with who they are through the horrors of whatever subgenre we're in. And they're doing that here. And it's not the most original sort of catalyst in the whole world but it's effective and it's it's using the genre and um it's not rewriting the wheel but it's getting us somewhere pretty scary and pretty effective um i like to compare this to the insidious franchise because it's simple it's scary and it kind of like refuses to let go once the Once the scares come in and the supernatural element, like the ghosts and all of them, like they are aggressive. They are like, they're, they're actually kind of scary. Would you agree?
2: They were definitely unsettling. Like, I I could not look away from this movie. I could not, any time, look away from this movie. And I have no attention span. So like, <laughs> um, yeah, the fact too. that they were able to just pull me the fuck in, and like everything about it was unsettling. Like every step they made, you were like, yeah, go through it. But also, it's a bad idea. Like it's like being in a haunted house, mm-hmm. you know, hundred percent. And yeah, and you know you're safe, but also you're gonna send your friend ahead first. So like go ahead and do it. <laughs> go ahead and <laughs> do it. So it happens, Mia. And Mia's <laughs> like, okay, like. <laughs>
1: yeah mia makes some mistakes along the way when i was watching it i was feeling like this could be like a really effective top of the top of like the quality batch blumhouse release like this could have been a really good blumhouse movie but it turns out i was wrong and a24 are in negotiations to pick this up um does that feel right to you
2: yes because i did not get blumhouse from this i won't rehash that rant i feel like i've had that rant a few times in a few places (laughs) (laughs) um this feels definitely closer to a24 out of those two especially when we look at like a24's more recent stuff um like bodies 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 and other like more fun shenanigans things that are also just very different and off like a24 is just off
1: yes and Everything A24 puts out except for bodies, 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 most of it is kinda serious business horror. And at the end of the day, so is Talk to Me. Like, it's it is completely straight faced, stone cold, serious. Like, there's no camp. There's not really any camp here. Although it is fun. It's a like, it's fun, dark, scary horror. And I think we might f- have different feelings about Smile from earlier this year.
2: Oh yeah, we do.
1: <laughs> but that's another example to me of something that is um, serious. It's not going for laughs or camp, but it's still fun, and it's still, you know, it's 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 not aiming too high. It's unpretentious.
2: Yeah, I think that I think that this is the connective tissue between X and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies that they've needed because when we look at their like genre work it, it is pretty heavy like you said but when you step outside of that they do like random fun shit like they did the oh, i forgot the name was it zora it wasn't zora zola, zola. Mm-hmm. yeah they did zola which i mean whether or not you liked it was definitely an A24 movie that was not a horror
1: <laughs> oh i love i like zola a lot
2: yeah like they have their they have their fingers on the pulse of the youth um and they know what excites us and i think that's going to help them last a little bit longer than some people that we also know
1: i mean listen less about lasting and more about like joining the ranks of like the big players they they got a shit ton of oscar nominations this year over at a24
2: they whether or not i love the movies that movies are getting talked about Like, And I'm just going to leave that out there Because they put out a lot of stuff And a lot of it some people were upset about for good reasons Um, Mm -hmm. Some of it was just like Really that's a question mark (laughs) Um, But it always gets a conversation going On the social media And there's always something award worthy in it Even if (laughs) overall Nobody wanted it to happen (laughs) If I had
1: carte blanche And they're like A24 or Blumhouse I'm sorry I'd have to say Blumhouse That's where I'd want to go
2: I I, I would not I would be at 84 and be like Hi, party, party, party
1: (laughs) Not me I want to make Halloween Ends 2 No I don't Um, Halloween
2: Ends Again
1: (laughs) Please end Um, Would you be okay If we started talking about the characters But also the actors that portray them in this movie
2: When I saw Miranda Otto I (laughs) gasped And clutched at Pearls I will never get (laughs) before it
1: um. Yeah, so Miranda Otto is definitely the most recognizable face in this movie. She plays the mother of two of the main characters. And you guys at home might remember her from playing um, Aunt Zelda in the recent Sabrina Netflix series. She also has a role in the original Lord of the Rings films. Like, this is an icon of Australia. And she's here. And she's doing it. Right? Mm-hmm. But better than her, do you want to talk to us a little bit about Mia, played by Sophia Wilde? How did this performance strike you?
2: I was obsessed with her because mm-hmm. a lot of time when you see young actors, you're just like, oh no. And you you just sort of silently root for them to do the best they can. But I felt like this was not her first time at this rodeo. Like she knew <laughs> she was the lead. She knew what she needed to do. And she did it at every turn while also giving us just enough of like Mia's feelings about certain people and certain people's boyfriends to where you're like, <laughs> she ain't no angel. <laughs> um, and so you're like, I don't know if I I don't know if I like Mia, but I want Mia to be okay. That's how I felt as a watcher. Yeah. And I, we yeah. we need yes. more of that. Cause I think that some people want us to like their protagonists so much that they make them boring. And I hate that.
1: Listen, we're both writers, and I think we can both understand that protagonists are hard like they're really really difficult to make interesting because well they have to kind of be a conduit for the audience aka they kind of have to be everybody all at once and like that's impossible to do while staying interesting but Mm -hmm. mia kind of pulls it off she is imperfect she like she is a teenage girl that has you know made a lot of mistakes and continues to fuck up but at the end of the day she wants like to do well by the people who she loves. And she just like keeps making the worst possible mistakes along the way. And you feel for her. I yeah. think she fucking nailed the the performance of this role.
2: She does. Because like, had she been half the actor that she is, like some of this would have been camp for the wrong reasons. <laughs> and it wouldn't have been as fun. It wouldn't have been as fresh. It would have been like, Oh God, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to keep harping on Smile, but, like, part of the reason Smile fell apart for me was because of the acting. Mm. Uh, um, I think with better acting, I could have overlooked some of the things I had issues with because, like, it did have scares. Um, (laughs) And so I feel like... (laughs) I feel like it's a prime example of what happens when you don't have the support you need from the actors as opposed to when you do here.
1: I'm I'm laughing because... (laughs) I once listened to your podcast when you were talking about the movie Smile, and the funniest thing that ever has happened in the history of the world happened, where you were trying to pronounce the name of Susie Bacon, but you only had it written. You like clearly had never heard it out loud, and it's spelled like Susie15XL plus dot com. She, she spells it really like celebrity baby name. And you were like trying to pronounce it, and one of the ways you pronounced it was saucy bacon and ever since that happened i've been making fun of you and I every I, I think it comes up once a day where i talk about it to someone or yeah. i remember it and i laugh
2: <laughs> saucy bacon is my new nickname and you know <laughs> saucy bacon
1: lives
2: <laughs> i've been called worse <laughs>
1: <laughs> i still can't decide if it's a better drag king or drag queen name
2: oh definitely drag king
1: yeah i think so too yeah
2: i'm bringing home the bacon
1: yeah 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 well mama can bring home the bacon okay my sexism my sexism Um, like
2: i but i don't get to wear a mustache with that
1: that's true you don't get to be um what's her name um who but who had the the eyelash mustache recently (laughs) um um what is her name i don't
2: actually know their names um no no you do know them. her
1: name you do know her name she she had like a really crazy um hold on this is all i'm gonna get cut out are you talking know. about doja cat i'm <laughs> talking about doja cat yeah
2: i was being funny damn
1: okay yeah she had that weird mustache recently that was weird
2: i keep her lifted um i like some of her music <laughs>
1: I mean, we like her music and we like Kim Petras's music, but you know, at the end of the day, we have to we have to do our prayers. You know
2: when I mean. Kim Petras hurt me, I knew. <laughs>
1: well, do you know that they share? They for a long time shared the same producer.
2: That explains a lot, actually. Yeah. yeah. No.
1: Yeah. Let's not name him. That's fine. Yeah. This is all getting deleted. Wait, where was I? Oh yeah, so Saucy, Saucy Bacon's Bacon. really funny. <laughs> Um, Let's talk about two of the other characters in this movie. So we have siblings, Jade, played by Alexandra Jensen, and Riley, played by Joe Bird. So Jade is Mia's best friend. They're both about, I think, 17, 18. And Riley is Jade's little brother, who I think is like 12 in this movie. He's a real sweet little angel. And all you want is for him to be okay. And of course, just the worst possible stuff keeps happening to the sweet, sweet boy. And older sister Jade is a bit of a bitch. How do you feel about these characters?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Clearly, the opposite of how you do. <laughs> i think that like jade and riley definitely have that sibling rivalry not to mm. name check another podcast um mm. oh. and it makes it makes sense it makes sense because as the older kid who has to care of the younger kid you don't want to be that person you want to live your life and you have this little shit who's like i need to be fed and mom's not here i need to like <laughs>
1: have a curfew mom's not he's here. so sweet he's he, an angel from heaven
2: not, um again mia's not the most likable protagonist. And so, of course, she's like, I want him to like me because I like his attention and I like feeling like family. Um,
1: they were sweet. Mm. So, so for a little bit of context to the story, yes, there's a couple of parties where they connect with the dead through this embalmed hand. And it's, I think, a bit of a metaphor for doing drugs because it seems to feel quite good. And there are montages of all the teens doing it and kind of partying and having fun together. And so... Of course, 12-year-old Riley also wants to do it. And Sister Jade, who's like a bit of a stick in the mud, of course, refuses and then gets frustrated, leaves the room. And friend Mia, unfortunately, permits him to do it. And this leads to some really nightmarish outcome.
2: Can we also talk about how Jade had just found out that her boyfriend gets off when she touches him? Oh, my God. It was the gas right around the world. Um. So Jade, so Jade is dating Mia's ex-boyfriend. We don't know how.
1: Daniel. Yeah.
2: Daniel. We don't know why Mia and Daniel broke up, but Mia's not over it yet. And yeah. we get the feeling that Daniel might not be over it as well, but like keeping it messy because they're teens. He starts dating her best friend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not.
2: Um, and like, you can tell something's off with the two of them, but you don't know what it is. And then like when he touches the hand and the demon's talking through him and starting shit, he looks at Jade and was like, he gets soft when you touch him. I'm and like, so- Oh,
1: you're gay? But no, he just likes Mia, I guess.
2: Listen, cause like Mia was smiling, the demon looked over at her and smiled. And I was like, oh, so I see. Uh, so Jade's not having a good night when her brother's like, I'm on my bullshit
1: <laughs> <already>. <laughs> Excuse me, but I'm on my bullshit. Right, um, he's like, yeah, you want another problem? Right. Ugh, <laughs> uh, Jade only cares about Jade and that's how I feel. You know, there's an opening scene where um, Mia, like, encounters a dead or, like, a dying kangaroo on the road and doesn't have the heart to kill it with her car, so she just leaves it there suffering and tries to open up to Jade about it and all Jade can do is Text on her phone like a little Gen Z bitch. So I'm not pro Jade, but
2: this is also after Jade missed her mother's anniversary death situation they were having. Oh
1: yeah, Jade is a mess. Why are you on Team Jade? I'm I, I, actively they're angry. They
2: are they are all messy, like the grassy. But like <laughs> also also during the mother's anniversary death party, like she gets a call from Riley being like, "Mom and Jade didn't get me. Can you pick me up?" And that you know, was sweet up Jade when they death.
1: were singing chandelier in the car together when so (laughs) mia and little baby boy riley are singing together in the car i thought it was really cute
2: it's it was cute but it was also very awkward because when i was at community college i had a friend whose little brother was into me and the little brother was definitely not legal and so would just manifest love for me and i'm like oh no please stop please stop. <laughs> I don't I'm want an,
1: prison.
2: Right? It's like, I'm an adult and people might only hear your side of this conversation. Let us go out and get more people.
1: <laughs> What's that movie with the really old lady that falls in love with the 17 year old and like, it's old and it's from the 70s and the, Big? Um, <laughs> no, I'm <just> being funny. <laughs>
2: people
1: at home are like screaming at the Harold and Maude. Sorry.
2: Uh, I've never actually seen it. Like a romance.
1: It's a kind of, hold on a second.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: People love it, though.
2: I just will never watch a romance on purpose.
1: hold on. I'm not doing good. Okay, there we go. (laughs) Plug something in, and the cord was very short.
2: I just heard, I'm not doing good. (laughs) Coming from, like, another room.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't. But now that I'm back and I feel absolutely better, why don't we move, move, move on down the road to the direction by our good boys, Danny and Michael, who I am obsessed with. So. Share to you what did this movie look like what did this movie feel like what was the vibe
2: this movie's vibe was very it was very fast it was mm-hmm. very fun it was very creepy a little bit gritty mm-hmm. um it's like it's like silent hill pg if you will <laughs> that felt to me
1: <laughs> i like that
2: Yeah, and I I was here for it. Also, it's one of the few movies that understood pacing, which I feel like a lot of movies have just given up on.
1: I agree. The the pacing was relentless.
2: Which is why I could never look away. There was never a time for me to be like, oh, this got boring. I was like, what? Are you serious? And now what? Who's soft? I was so involved.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was absolute drama, that moment. I I really liked it. (laughs) found this movie to be ultimately quite terrifying um there's a couple of glimpses into the afterlife which are so gross and hopeless and absolutely terrifying it kind of gives me nightmare on elm street or even society vibes it's nuts and i just loved it do you think this could be a franchise
2: i think so I think we can easily get another one or two that are solid, and the rest will just come back for it because we're gluttons.
1: And we talked about it earlier, but A twenty four not official in talks to pick it up. Do you think through them how will how will audiences respond?
2: I think a lot of people like to go in hate on A twenty four movies for what I mean for lots of reasons, um, but they're gonna find something that they were not expecting. <laughs> And I think they're going to be shooketh. And I think they're going to have to just stand like the rest of us. Because again, like, this is the kind of movie I miss having. But I think that starting a year off with like this and Megan, I it gives me hope that we can have fun again.
1: And fun we're going to have. I loved Megan. Megan was hilarious. But complete opposite of this in so many okay. ways. Because while they're both fun horror movies, Megan is in on the joke, which yeah. I never appreciate as much as a movie that's not in on the joke in it, its it, own yeah, way it,
2: in its own way yeah it's just it's it's hard to describe this movie without ruining it for everybody and why not leave it open-ended just in case you all know what happens in life and i respect that
1: do you find that you're easy to scare or hard to scare with horror
2: i'm hard to scare which is why nothing ever really scares me i'm just like i see why it would be scary so mm-hmm. more stars
1: <laughs> and if that's the case then how how did you find this movie in terms of frightening levels were you scared were you not what was the deal on that on that
2: i I wasn't scared because I'm broken, but like mm-hmm. I was having fun, so I know other people would be scared, if that I makes sense.
1: Scared, but I, I'm easily scared, and I love that about myself. So there I, I get I am.
2: scared by my student loans and <laughs> health concerns.
1: <laughs> yeah, <that's>, those <laughs> are scary. Overall thoughts and star rating.
2: Overall thoughts, um, this is probably definitely running at my top movies of the year, um, which I I didn't expect to say that, especially because like we do a lot of festivals, you and me, Josh, not always Mm -hmm. together, but we do a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we see some stuff in the festivals that are good. We see some that are okay. But like, I never run out being like, I've changed a personality. I'm a new person now. Um, (laughs) And so I'm excited for people to see this. I want all my friends to see it. I want us to have like conversations about it. I want us to watch it together. Mm -hmm. I want the hand as a prop. I want to Mm -hmm. have hand parties. Um, I'm a new bitch. And so I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it four out of five stars.
1: I love that perfect summary. So for me, I said a little bit earlier, I find this movie refreshingly low concept, surprisingly scary. By the time it sort of picks up the pace, which is early on, it's going to grab hold of you and it's not going to let go. It's nasty. It's mean spirited, but it's super fun from start to finish. And that is why I also give it four stars.
2: Yay. We agree. Cause we're the same person.
1: We're the same person, which means we're absolutely opposites. You know what I mean?
2: Right. Mm-hmm, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and speaking of things that are opposites, so we just went from a movie that we loved. Why don't we jump into the shallow, lukewarm waters of Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool. Would you like to do that?
2: I mean, I think like is a strong word, but I'm ready.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get canned. Um, all right. So Infinity Pool is a movie written and directed by Canadian nepo baby Brandon Cronenberg. Uh, premiered here at the Sundance twenty twenty three film festival, and I almost thought, no, we shouldn't talk about it because by the time this episode's out in the world, um, it's going to have been released into theaters. Mm-hmm. But then I said, who cares? Maybe people will want to hear about a movie they've actually seen or have the ability to see. So. Would you be okay if I gave the Sundance description about what Infinity Pool is all about?
2: I can't wait. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. James and M. Foster take off to an all-inclusive beach getaway in the fictional state of La to help jumpstart his writer's block. Their lazy days are spent relegated to the pricey resort, isolated from the surrounding land. Gabby introduces herself and her partner, Al. She's a fan of James' novel, and they would like to spend some time together with the Fosters. The couples plan a secret day trip side the compound that ends in a fatal accident with James to blame. For a hefty price, there are loop hills. No, my God. I'm on, <laughs> I'm on meth. I'm on meth yes. and that <laughs> <laughs> For a hefty price, there are loop <laughs> <laughs> It's your
2: saucy bacon. I love it.
1: <laughs> oh, No. <laughs> For a hefty price, there are loopholes to aid foreign travelers convicted of crimes there, which is how James is first introduced to a perverse subculture of hedonistic tourism. I mean, whoever wrote this was really, like, earned their keep. Um, but they did, a, they did a sort of accurate job, would you say?
2: Yeah, it's definitely one of those movies where everybody involved, even the poster designers and description writers are like, bricked, go.
1: Look, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Why? What? What makes you say that? As for someone at home that maybe doesn't know the name,
2: um, so Bertolt Brecht was a theater maker all about the alienation of people. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this movie gives no shits if an audience is watching and cares. It is. It is doing things. Some of it is good. Some of it is okay. And some of it is just like, hey, I bet you didn't expect to see this here. Mm-hmm. And I. That's. I love a weird movie. You know I love a weird movie. Mm -hmm. But I also love a weird movie that's weird with a purpose, and I'm not sure I understand the purpose of this weirdness yet.
1: I don't necessarily believe that there is a purpose. I think a lot of people are getting overhyped on the violence and the unquote weirdness of this film. I like experimental stuff myself. I think that there's a real place for it in cinema. There's no doubt about it. But I think that in 2023, horror audiences are getting a little bit high horse, a little bit pretentious about um, sort of uh, experimental or like non-narrative mm-hmm. horror. And I think it's getting a little bit out of hand because this is just nonsense, in my opinion, to some degree.
2: I think this other thing that's going on is they can't separate what they like about a movie from liking the whole movie. And so instead of being like Alexander Skarsgård showed up again and I love him as an actor because he's always doing something they're like i love the whole movie and it's like you don't love the whole movie you love a performance yeah <laughs> um, you. and it's fine to say that it's fine to say that like i have seen a lot of alexander skarsgård and i continue to but i'm not gonna love everything because he does a lot of movies and that's fine if i'm not just like out here being a little asshole and adding him on twitter and being like oh northman sucked
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> what a little, do you think right? you would be I'm just like, take your shirt Mm -hmm. off? Okay, I'm going to watch that. (laughs) Yes, please. Uh, Ever since, you know, the late 2000s with with True Blood, we've known that that is one of his greater talents, even though he is a very talented guy. I think that this movie suffers from a pretty intense case of style before substance. Yep. I think that it is doing a lot of things visually that are interesting and outside of the box. But when you take a closer look, I think it's sort of like a collage of different thoughts that don't really connect in any meaningful way. And at the end of the day, this pool is ultimately a little bit shallow.
2: Very shallow.
1: Mm-hmm. I
2: I feel the same way I felt about Possessor but I, I like Possessor more even though I had an issue with the black woman being shot by police and we're not talking about that um, I like that movie more than this one but I think that when I look at both of them side by side I feel like baby Cronenberg is trying to get at something that he doesn't fully know what he wants to say yet <laughs> cause yeah. like there, I, I have a theory that there was more to do with gender in Possessor than he was able to handle at the moment Mm. Um, whether or not he meandered into that in accident or semi intentionally, I don't know because I don't interview him and I don't know him. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to be said with the different versions of self um, and the different bodies here uh, that I don't know. I don't know what they're in conversation with because this is just not fully baked yet.
1: I agree. It didn't feel fully baked. And maybe I'm wrong. And maybe I'm just not taking in what's there, but it felt a little bit. Pretentious and I said it before, shallow, like a little bit um, lacking in, in subtext and in substance, unfortunately. Although, you know what? I wasn't bored for a second, which is not true about some of the other Sundance movies this year.
2: I was bored <laughs> for some seconds, but I also, I really, really liked some scenes. I, I will say that. Mia Goth on a car with a bottle of wine heckling him. That is my best I've seen from her in my entire life.
1: James? (laughs) James? Why don't you come out here? That's my impression of her.
2: It was was perfect. Um, It was was my favorite scene of the movie. I I think it was the first time where I was like, maybe they do know what they want to do with her. Because before that, she's just being weird, as she usually is in these movies, because nobody knows what to do with
1: her. (laughs) They don't know what to do no, with her. Men don't like, seem to understand what to do with her.
2: Right? And, like, I'm just like, let her go free. Let her work with women and see what happens. I would love maybe...
1: to see her make a horror movie with women. Maybe she has, but I, I'm not sure I've seen it.
2: <laughs> like, I've only seen her in this, X and Pearl, and we know how I feel about Pearl. Did you see on... Suspiria? Oh, she was in that.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, wow. She was in that. Damn. Yeah,
1: she's in A Cure for Wellness. She's secretly in a bunch of crap.
2: I haven't seen A Cure for Wellness. I've heard it's a little um, incestuous.
1: Which I'm always for, so.
2: <laughs> but I've not True. seen it yet. But,
1: um, yeah, Mia I think. Goff, yeah. <laughs> I, I,
2: think that, I think that that car moment was the moment where I saw in her what everybody else is telling me I need to see in her. And I've not seen that since, like, Flickers in X.
1: Okay. I found the car moment to be. I found her to be grating. And I hope that's. Maybe I need to look internally to see if there's a little bit of misogyny in that statement. But I found her to be difficult by the second half of this film and I think part of it has to do with the fact that she's using her actual accent in this which is like fancy rich like British accent which is so yeah she to me has always kind of sounded a little bit like a ghostly Victorian child and there's this thing that I joke about with you and everyone else in my life where she did this interview I don't remember with who Vanity Fair or something and they ask her what she want, like if she wasn't an actor, what she would do. And she said, I think I'd open a bakery and call it Mamma Mia's and I'd make everything blueberry and I'd make blueberry pancakes. And so now, <laughs> every time she opens her mouth, all I really hear is blueberry pancakes. And that's what she is to me. What is she to you?
2: She, I did not like her character. Um, I didn't like anybody in this movie, to be honest. But like Alexander Skarsgård is a good actor. So I was like, at least we got enough a performance from somebody. Because um, again, like, I feel like we have a bunch of movies and media right now. That's just like, what if we let rich white people be the worst? We know they're the worst. We know rich white people exist. Like, And so I'm not trying to watch White Lotus. But <laughs> I felt like I was getting you know White Lotus here. Yeah. Um, which is why I was bored with her and was annoyed with her, and then she got on the car. And that movie, that's a different movie. What happens on the car with the bottle of wine is a different movie. And <laughs> it's not- a short I would have watched and loved.
1: That's so funny because we liked opposite parts of the film. Because I feel like I liked most of what was going on in the spooky, ooky mystery of it all before that. And then when that happens, there's just a moment where you yeah, she's just screaming on the on the head of a car <laughs> with a <the> gun. <laughs> james you're pathetic <laughs> um the mystery wasn't lost me.
2: the mystery wasn't giving to me because like they did this crime which felt very i know did last summer with adults and I was, like, okay. number, yeah. I was like okay i was like didn't i just like pay kevin leams in okay um and then Why like not? we get to the prison i'm like, gonna do broke down palace now <laughs> and they're like clones i'm like oh okay um and so he clones himself and because As much as I love Alexander Skarsgård, he is playing a white man. (laughs) So I'm like, well, he knows he can get away with shit now. And she's like, James, come talk to me in the bar. I'm going to tell you we get away with shit all the time.
1: Um, Let's order some blueberry martinis. (laughs) Um, (laughs)
2: There there was that one cool thread which we never really followed when one of the guys asked him, how do we know which one version to kill? How do we know we're the original? Uh And we never follow that up.
1: No, there were some lots of interesting thoughts in this movie that I feel like weren't necessarily fulfilled by the end.
2: Right, and again, it feels like Possessor. Where I like Possessor more, I keep saying that. I have to stress, I liked it more. It, aside from that one, one giant note, and the fact that I need to read like some queer writers' takes on it, because again, I don't know if he knew he was getting it in that movie, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and I don't know if he knew he was getting it in this movie. But I think that. I think that is like you said, it was, it was mostly like style and it was an exercise and I can, so I'm going to, as opposed to I can, but why do I want to?
1: E- yeah, that is, that was my takeaway from this movie also. Although people that I love and respect dearly seem to find a lot of value in this film. So at the end of the day, I do stand a polarizing movie and that's kind of what this is on on all the different levels um you know what bothers me when it's two months into the year and i'm already seeing major headlines that say infinity pool scariest movie of 2023 like infinity pool nastiest scariest little slut of the year and i'm like (laughs) what like Calm down. weren't you saying this about Skin and Rank about a month ago? Like, listen, get of my face.
2: I feel like unfortunately a lot of people are like goldfish, and that their memory is short term. <laughs> and so, like, we'll be here next week with a different movie, with a different celebrity, or different creepy thing happening, and then like the week after. And I'm just like, you can't, you can't have it all. Like, one of these needs to be the scariest movie you've seen in your life, and the other ones are not. <laughs> you can't yeah. just be like new movie, who this um, yeah. every week. And, like, what was it saying?
1: Like, obviously, it's a, it's a comment on hedonism in Western culture and how, you know, for our comfort and for our luxury, we are willing to debase and to degrade and to, you know, st- strip other cultures of all of their resources and we just do it Laugh. I'm not 100% certain this movie was actually making any kind of unique or fresh comment on the eat the rich archetype or eat the rich trope
2: that's my other issue with these movies um i'm just gonna keep calling it the white lotus effect because what happens is you get people who have these privileges who are writing about people who have these privileges and so it's not doing what it could and should to make it original or make it different because it's just still clicking the same boxes to be like hey y'all you know we might be a problem check 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 (laughs) let's go about our day as opposed to having people who actually have no privilege write this and have it be more scathing and have it be more honest very fascinating yeah but i feel like a lot of unfortunately a lot of times people who need to tell these stories don't get greenlit for obvious racist and sexist reasons and (laughs) that's why we'd never get the movie we need and we keep inching forward with these movies written by basically the same 10 people over and over and over
1: yeah and it's we're we're at this point in culture, at least in this very, very moment where it's kind of difficult to look at something like this that's saying what it's saying about wealth and privilege, and knowing that this movie is directed by an Eppo baby, this movie is created by someone that was born into pretty sizable wealth and was able to establish a career a lot easier than so many of his peers could have Mm -hmm. it just I don't know if it's fair but it leaves it leaves a gross (laughs) taste in my mouth
2: it does it's like having the leash pulled away from Mr. (laughs) Skarsgård because it's just like wait you're making this comment but like you you can't see it for all these to be seen because you're in it and you can't tell the story if you're in the story
1: um, I heard from a different podcast recently that Alexander Skarsgård is very good friends with Jack McBrayer, a.k.a. Kenneth from 30 Rock. And I don't, I'm do not i not going to look and do any kind of uh, sourcing on if this is true or not. But if it is, it leaves me with a couple of questions.
2: i seen the photos. They're very cute friends. Um you've oh, seen photos? <laughs> yes i've also seen his little like video because somebody asked him because they were like um so you dressed in drag once? like yeah and the way he lit up talking about dressing like farrah fawcett for an after party and how he was sad about the gray suit he had it he's just he's a national treasure and i think Mm -hmm. that's part of the reason why people don't like to be like i didn't enjoy that one movie he was in and it's okay it's okay he's not gonna find most of us he's too busy
1: um did he make a beautiful drag queen does he make a beautiful woman
2: you can tell that, like, this was the first time in drag, but they did what they could. Because, like, uh-huh. he had people do it for him because he was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so he's like, can I dress up? Is that okay if I dress up? And they're like, yes. And they painted him, like... <laughs> I have seen worse drag queens on RuPaul's Drag Race. I will say that. And I think that with a little bit more time and a little bit more money, they could have, like, put off an even better look. But he's yeah, just naturally gorgeous.
1: very beautiful, like, like stark, masculine-featured, hunks just Mm -hmm. don't make the most femme for femme drag queens
2: I think he could be trade I do I think that they again they were like this was a last minute thing like he maybe told them a day or two before but he is trade
1: trade is never we can have masculine drag queens That's beautiful I celebrate it
2: you're right. I just I think no, that I like he Aquaria. could he could be gorgeous. He could be gorgeous, okay
1: Gorgeous.
2: I see it. Like me and the <laughs> nanny, we can hook him up. Um <laughs> Mostly me as a hype woman, so I don't know how to use makeup. But like still <laughs> I don't
1: know what he's talking about with Jack. And like what are they doing together and are they kissing a little bit? I don't know.
2: Listen, um I don't know. If one of the Hot Scars guards leaned in on me, I would also say less.
1: If even that other non-Scars Guard, Scars Guard from uh, <laughs> you know the one. The yeah. The one from, the P-
2: one from the Orphan. Yeah,
1: the one from Orphan. Um I The I'd great Scars yes, Guard. Yeah, any Scars <laughs> Guard, I would be like, mm yeah, that's the one. I'd be um, like, I my
2: clothes are not good at... like
1: <laughs> Shere, Sherroo, Shereo. I'm wondering what are your overall thoughts and star ratings for Infinity Pool?
2: Oh wow. Um <laughs> That, this is gonna be the hardest one I again, I really liked some scenes and I think that Alexander Skarsgård is a really good actor and so like when you see him playing in his work for these characters even though it's a bonkers ass movie like you, you find yourself wanting to like it more than you need to
1: <laughs> maybe um, I,
2: I, I'm i dancing between two and a half star. I'm gonna say two and a half stars I'm gonna own it it's a two and a half star movie you're owning it Yes.
1: Um, I understand that yeah there's a lot to look at there's a lot to contemplate it's not ever gonna bore me this movie is a unique ride and while I do think it values style over substance it's still giving me cinema so I'm gonna have to give it three stars
2: look at you being the Paul Abdul of the two of us tonight I always
1: am the. Pa- if there's a Paula Abdul here it's gonna be me I mean that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> or am I Ryan? I don't have an opinion. I'm just looking good.
2: No, you're the Paula. <laughs> what about Randy?
1: I want to be him. You can't no, be don't. Randy. You're too nice. I'd rather be Paula, yeah.
2: Yeah, cuz Randy was honest-ish. Um Simon was honest. And yeah, you're Simon's Simon. the Simon, yeah. You're
1: the Simon for sure. No, I'm the pussycat doll.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh no, no,
1: no. I'm Mariah Carey, and you're Nicki Minaj.
2: Don't you dare put that on me!
1: Okay, I'll be Nicki Minaj and you can be Mariah Carey.
2: I don't know her. Um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is where that came from, right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> kind, of, kind of,
1: sort of. Our two queens. Okay, so let's move on with our lives to conclusions. We talked about a couple of movies already, but you know what were some of the other um, highlights, and if you want, lowlights of the Sundance. Experience for you, if you could say two of your favorite films, how about what would they be?
2: Oh, um, in in my mother's skin, which you and Chad covered last week, Mm -hmm. um, that's definitely my other favorite of this festival.
1: Other than talk to me,
2: yeah, yeah, those are my two favorites: talk to me and in my mother's skin. Um, another movie I really, really liked, but like it's a thriller, but it's not like the scary kind of thriller was the accidental getaway dri- The Accidental mm. Getaway Driver, which mm-hmm. is based on a true story I found out when I went in to review it and was Googling.
1: Well <laughs> that keeps yeah, happening. Yeah, that to me. one sounds nuts. I'm I'm hoping I get to see it soon. Um I think for me, I'm gonna put it into two categories. So my two favorite horror movies at Sundance this year were Talk to me, and uh, I guess in my mother's skin. But my two favorite non-horror movies have to be Fairyland, which was like a story about a gay dad, and there's also a Theater Camp, which I know we both enjoyed.
2: I love Theater Camp. I forgot because it was the first movie I watched at the festival, but I forgot about Birth slash Rebirth. Oh, right, that was good. That was good. It, it's easily my third favorite of the horror sci-fi movies.
1: Okay. And that's fast. Right. Um Should we talk okay. about our bottoms? No, let's not be let's not be rude.
2: Are you sure? Cause I, <laughs> I Okay, give thing. me one.
1: Give me give me one. Give me one sore thumb.
2: onik the fortuitous and the talisman <gasps> of souls. Oh no. Yeah.
1: I didn't hate that one, but I can I understand. <laughs> I can understand. I can. Yeah. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was okay. It was cute. And I got to interview Barbara Cramped and everyone, get on, get She on, get on.
2: She was the best part. Um, The supporting <laughs> cast was the best part. I think I said that in my review. The supporting cast is doing what they can, what they've been given. And I'm not mad at them for being there. I'm just mad that I was there.
1: <laughs> so rude. <laughs> that uh, that? I think for me is main the one oh, that was not not it for me was, we talked about it last week, which was Run, Rabbit, Run, oh, yeah. the Sarah Snook vehicle. That was just too much Babadook and not, a, not enough Spookalook.
2: I'm happy I missed it, the more you talk about it. Because I was <laughs> sad, because I, I just discovered Sarah Snook because I started watching Succession. I know. Um, and so I didn't know to be looking for her name when I was picking out my Sundance movies. <laughs> <are> a up <laughs> so Sundance. I
1: like, Cousin Greg was also in Cat Person.
2: That was, that was a cute and weird movie i liked it i didn't hate it but i don't think i'm gonna watch it again it's it's one of those movies where you're like i'm not meant to that experience
1: i liked it it wasn't super special tell me what yeah. you think i was like is this clumsy use of the poc best friend i think it yeah. is yeah um, always it's <laughs> just like well this girl doesn't want to save this <laughs> annoying lead character her stop that's, Let her die. Let that, her die.
2: I didn't know that was based on a story in The New Yorker because mm-hmm. I don't read the short stories in The New Yorker because like, I don't have time. Um, but after I watched the movie, I went to read that and the movie got to stretch out that world more and make it more interesting. I will say that.
1: Yeah, I've heard that. And our our um, mm-hmm. you know, co- our co colleague Chad at Dread Central said that it took the third act way further to horror territories than the story ever did.
2: Yes. Um, while I'm out here not making friends, I'm going to go ahead also and just say I did not live for Eileen. I lived for like a 15, maybe 10 minutes.
1: Oh, yeah. Of Eileen was not good. It was boring as hell. Yeah, it was a one act play in a three act movie.
2: And it makes me sad because like the third time I've seen Anne Hathaway act, I realized. And... <laughs> each of the how? times I didn't have a good time and I think that's why I don't
1: well you need to watch Les Miz and stop pretending like you're not gonna love it
2: I'm not gonna watch Les Miz. I've never seen a Les Mis not even one with jo- Joseph Quinn and you know how I feel about that man um I'm watching nobody's Les Mis <laughs>
1: <laughs> Les Mis uh listen to the music and dance
2: I'm good I will just watch theater <laughs> camp again
1: um Sheree where can you be found on the internet if you wish to be found
2: Ooh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Miss Sheree. And on Twitter, my bio has all of the podcasts I'm affiliated with at the moment. <laughs> so you don't have to play which one did she just say? You could just be like, I like the sound of this one, I'm gonna try that one.
1: With with the Philippine Hell that makes five.
2: If I if Twitter lets me add anything else to my bio, I'm just gonna add this and see if you notice. Like-
1: <laughs> it explodes. <laughs> I think that's beautiful follow her podcast listen to her podcast get to know the girl and hopefully we have you back on this podcast very very soon because I love having you here
2: yay I love being here
1: thank you so much for listening to development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. It really makes all the difference in the world. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Development Hell.
0: Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even
2: flying cars. (laughs)